Perhaps I was talking when I should have been listening. No matter what happens, you've got to hang on. Johnny, relax. Now you give him everything he wants, you understand? Now let's see what happens when we mix these two elements together. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you are now listening to the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome back to the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the discomfort zone. Season four, episode seven, the discomfort zone is by Farah Storr. And before we dive deep into this podcast, I just want to thank everyone for sharing my podcast around. We're up in numbers. It's going really well. We actually broke 5,000 views Ooh, like last week, which is really cool. So thank you guys for sharing. Keep on doing it. It's really helping me out, and I really want to help improve other people's lives. And before we get into this, and we'll talk about this in the podcast further on episode, I failed, and we'll be talking about failure a lot, but I already had this saved. I already completed this podcast that I'm redoing now, but the problem is when I went to go upload it, I accidentally deleted it. So 30 minutes of my time and much more preparing beforehand didn't go the way it should, but I'm going to reframe my mind, which we will talk about later. I'm going to have a better outcome because I've already practiced it once. I've already done this podcast episode, so I'm going to be a lot more fluent. There's not going to be as much stuttering. I'm going to learn a lot more, and I'm going to be able to sound more fluent and get the important stuff to you guys quicker, and I've already been through this, so I think it's going to go well. With that being said, let's jump into it. So first things first, we have to master fear so we can live to the fullest. Another thing is that fear inhibits most of us on a daily basis. I mean, like anything that we do, we usually have fear come across our mind a couple times during the day. So all fear does is crush your potential at the end of the day. And we live in this safety zone called the known place. And it's because we're too afraid to explore new skills, opportunities, or people that we could bring into our lives to better ourselves. So We need to break this fear that is based off limitations. We must learn to get comfortable with discomfort. And that's really what we're going to be talking about, just getting comfortable with becoming discomfort. And some some people might say, Hunter, haven't you already done an episode or talked something similar to this? Yes, I talked about comfort zone, but this is discomfort zone. And this is a different book by a different person. And I think it's very important to... If you think you've gone over one topic, go over it again because people have different lenses and see the world in a different perspective, thus bringing you to a bigger, diverse mindset, which is very important to have. And you bring a lot more to the table once you diversify your thinking, your knowledge, your stocks, whatever it may be. Diversification is safety, and I think that's very important to mention. So we need to reframe our fear so we can use it to improve our performance. So like I said, with the podcast episode, and I accidentally deleted it, and I've already done this, although it's a little bit frustrating at first, I reframed it from this book that I used. And I reframed it in the essence of this is an opportunity to make a better podcast episode, be more fluent in what I do, and give the listeners what they want to hear instead of some of the fluff I said previously that I was like, ah, I would have taken that out but I'm going to let it fly. So I'm really editing this and making it better in the end. And
and thus better for the listener. So instead of interpreting things different ways, like an increased heart rate or sweaty palms, like when we're about to fail, we feel like we're about to fail in a test or whatever it may be, we need to reframe and restructure our mindset to think our our body is preparing for battle that we're going to win instead of going in with a mindset that like we're going to fail, whether it be an exam, project, speech, whatever it may be. So to do so, you need to take time before the big event, whatever it may be, you need to visualize how brilliantly you will perform. For example, if you have a job interview, imagine you'll dress to impress. Seeing yourself confidently greeting the interviewer and picture yourself calmly and fluently answering every questions. And you got to repeat this practice. And I think it's very important in anything you do in order to become a master at what you do, you got to practice as this as much as possible before you have an interview or a project, whatever, and it will help you control your discomfort and keep your fear at bay. And you need to pay attention to your self-talk. So when you're talking, when you're, I always, I, when I was giving my pitch, um, uh, a couple weeks ago to 25 CEOs, I was very nervous. I'm not going to lie, but I practice a lot and I did self-talk. I did, um, I videotaped myself doing it and it helped me when I watched it. And I'm like, Oh, I could brighten my voice up or, um, sound more confident. I could do hand gestures a little bit more. So talking to yourself, looking in the mirror is definitely going to be help. The more practice, the more easier it will be to enter a challenge state, which we'll be talking about a little bit more. So let's jump on to the next main topic, which is how we handle the obstacles we encounter determines our level of success. So immediately we might think staying focused is the ultimate goal. There's a lot more to that. And I'm going to be talking about some more strategies to overcome this. And I think it's very interesting to see it from a different perspective because I didn't necessarily agree with it at first, but then now I see it now. So the first strategy is to avoid obstacles altogether. This means that we never get anywhere because we give up too quickly. Other people may blame the obstacle it's itself for their failure. And instead of reflecting on the role they played on the outcome, they think of, oh, I, it didn't go as well because of this reason or this reason. Instead of realizing and breaking down and analyzing what went wrong to better yourself for the next time. So another strategy is creating a mini obstacle so that we can never really have a challenge to ourselves. I found this interesting as well. So for instance, we could tell ourselves that we can't give the important work presentation because we don't have a PowerPoint. When we do this, we severely limit our opportunities. So when we create mini obstacles, our mindset kind of basically gives excuses why things won't go well and it gets you in a bad mindset. So we just want to avoid obstacles altogether, which I thought was very interesting. I never really thought about that like that. So we never reach our potential because we haven't overcome obstacles at the end of the day. That's what it is. That's the main topic here. But if we understand how to respond to these challenges we face, we're in a better position to change how we react to whatever circumstance that we're in. Now moving on to the another, another point is processing trauma thoroughly can bring positive change in our lives. So most of us have or are going to experience trauma at some point in our lives. 
we might lose a loved one, a significant relationship will end or we'll fail to attain a cherished dream of ours. Since these events tear us apart, it's natural to view them negatively. But that is only one aspect of trauma. So back in the 1990s, there was a scientist, two scientists by the name of Richard Takashi and Lawrence Kalshaun, and they were from the University of South Carolina. They identified a phenomenon they referred to as post-traumatic growth, where trauma inspires positive outcomes. Which means when something bad happens in life and there's trauma to what you do, whatever it may be, an example that just comes to mind is because it just passes 9-11, trauma, like everyone, the world was struck, America was heartbroken, but it changed a lot of people's outlooks on life. There was many things that came, I obviously we wouldn't want that to happen in the first place, but there was good things that came after from that. There was whether it be motivating someone, whatever it may be. Now, I'm not saying I really truly wish, obviously, the towers didn't get hit and that terrorism didn't happen, but we got to rethink. We can't change the past the way it is, and it's changing and reframing our mindset and trying to look towards positive outcomes rather than negative outcomes. So we need to start exploring what happened in the trauma event that we had in our lives and I think it's very important, even if trauma hasn't happened to you, it will happen. So this is going to help you prepare for it. So it's just a f- first thing is exploring what happened. And then that's either through journaling or talking about it to someone else. In doing this, you will have to revisit your pain. But ultimately, it's going to help you heal. And then you ask yourself questions about why the event happened. This will place a border of context to help you understand the problem of the context, um, the trauma that arised from this. And I'd like to just bring up something real quick. This month's a little bit tougher than normal. I had a good friend and a guy that I talked about in the gym, me and him weren't best friends by any means, but he was a really good guy. And I, he didn't know this, but I looked up to him and, um, he lost his life two years ago in October. And it's a harder month always on October. And, it's harder to revisit that pain. It's, it's really hard to revisit that pain. It really is. But I have been able to by journaling and talking about it to myself and talking to you guys about it, being come, becoming more vulnerable. It helps other people is what I'm figuring out. And um, I'm seeing a positive thing from it. And I'm able to see a new perspective on life and not take things for granted. Uh, you never know when someone's going to be your last conversation with them. So I think, and it's not to get all sad or anything on you guys or anything like that. It's not what I'm trying to get at because I, I know the person I'm thinking of would want him to be remembered as a happy person. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to do. And I thought about why it happened, what I could have done, but at the end of the day, it helps me heal thinking about that. And I think it's very important and it helps me put a border on the con uh, around the context of the event that happened that, um, was pretty traumatizing in my life. So over time, these strategies will help you process your trauma and bring you to better peace. And that's what I was talking about with my example. So to reach our full potential, we got to let go of perfection. And there was actually a a psychology study that showed that 
people overestimate how often they think others think about them by a startling 50%. So this is called the spotlight effect. And it essentially means that you could be twice as present, loud, or disruptive as you normally would be, and no one would notice. And that is very interesting. We overthink and we think a lot of people, well, what if I do this? And uh, what are people going to think of me if I if I try this or if I do this, take this risk, whatever it may be? Like people think too much about what other people think. You shouldn't give a flying fly, <laughs> I'm not going to cuss on the podcast, about what people think about you at the end of the day. And no one's perfect. No one's perfect. Not such thing. So I think it is very important to realize that people aren't looking or talking about you as much as you think. And you should do what you want and not care about what other people think in the first place. And the second powerful antidote to the social perfection is owning your fear. So we often try to ignore or tune out negative chatter by telling ourselves that just get over it or, you know, whatever it may be. But all this does is repress our fears and make us feel worse and or ashamed. So ironically, when we tell a trustworthy friend that we're afraid, we actually become braver. In sharing, we often discover that our friend has felt the same type of thing at some point in their life, which makes us not feel alone. Or better yet, we realize that we've misjudged ourselves. And we have to realize that sharing takes courage. So it automatically triggers that challenge state that we learned about earlier, which is that it helps us become more comfortable being vulnerable and also empowers us to tackle whatever has caused our fear. The next main topic is to thrive professionally, we must seek out regular feedback. Now, I think it's very important because receiving feedback isn't always fun. Everyone knows this. And no one enjoys having their weaknesses pointed out. But to make personal or professional progress, we have to accept that feedback is important. Although it's uncomfortable, it's a huge tool on how we become better people. If you receive it from the right person at the right time, it can be transformative. The person giving you the feedback must be someone you trust, someone that has your best interests in mind and at their heart. And I think that's super important. And I'd like to bring up another example in my personal life is um, Crystal Geyer. Shout out, shout out to her. Um, I talk about her all the time on my podcast, but she's huge on my life and all the entrepreneurs that have gone through uh, Ball State University. And I think it's very important that she brings up some of the stuff in my pitch, my business plan. She sends me feedback. And I know that she's not trying to hurt my feelings or anything. She wants the best for me. And I know that she has her my best interests in mind. So her helping me, you have to, again, reframe your mind to understand that people that give you feedback aren't trying to hurt your feelings. Yet they're trying to do what's best for you and give you information to become the best person that you can possibly be. So I think that's very important. And providing feedback to anyone, even if it's not you getting the feedback or you, or instead you giving the feedback, confronting it can be a little bit discomforting. And I think it's very important to practice being discomfort in the discomfort zone and 
we need to appreciate the people that are giving us guidance and giving us feedback because without them, we don't improve. So experiencing uncomfortable constraints helps us become more creative. Thus, let's talk about a film, Jaws. Steven, which was the director, hit an obstacle. The mechanical shark malfunction and repair it would take weeks, and this was before the film. So he came up with another solution. That solution went on to become one of the best-known scenes in history of film. So there was a scene of uh, at the beginning of Jaws where a baited tire was tied to a pier, speeds through the water, the pier cracks, and the fisherman falls in. The driftwood from the pier is dragged towards him from beneath the ocean surface and his friend is yelling at him to swim the increasing tempo of the two notes scores setting back all of our hearts and that scene was crazy even though the scene didn't include a single shot of the shark it was terrifying enough to keep us out of the water (laughs) that's for sure so our big takeaway from this is steven the director didn't see this as an obstacle he well he hit an obstacle but then he saw it as a creative a way to be creative and from this he the movie probably turned out better that opening scene than if it would have been with a shark everyone knows that scene for the most part and if you haven't seen jaws you gotta see it it's a classic film but it's a well-known scene in the history of film and it came from him hitting an obstacle and overcoming it by becoming creative which i think is a good point So, next point. If we want to truly succeed, we have to be open to failure. Digging deeper into this, we must pick apart our failures and identify exactly what went wrong and why. This can be discomfortable. This can be discomfortable to us, but we must analyze and question every aspect of the project or whatever that we did, and that's including the role that we've played in its failures. It's not fun. So we often avoid getting into the details of our failures. But if we can tolerate the discomfort and objectively review the events that led to our failure, we gain wisdom that will guide us in our next attempt and will become better at the end of the day. Many of us fall into the trap of blaming others for our failures. We can avoid this by focusing on what went wrong rather than who is to be held accountable for the failure. In doing so, we won't miss out on the unearthing valuable insights that we increase for success the next time. It just makes sense that we shouldn't worry about like who who made us fail, blah, blah, blah. We focus and analyze and pick it apart and realize what we did wrong to become better next time. And I think that's very important. So let summarize what we just talked about. It's natural to be shy, to shy away from different situations that make us feel uncomfortable. We interpret anxiety and fear as warning signals of danger, but avoiding experiences that make us uncomfortable limits our potential. As these feelings are triggering us when we are experiencing something new or pushing boundaries, if we acknowledge that these feelings only last for a few moments, we can learn to tolerate them. What awaits us on the other side of the temporary discomfort is a satisfying challenge that is full of potential, and we have to realize that. So what's some actionable advice? We need to manage our discomfort with the 
BMD method. So let's explain that real quick. BMD stands for Brief Moments of Discomfort by following three simple steps. First, you acknowledge the fear. The more you ignore it, the more overwhelming it will be become in the end. Next, you need to identify what you do to feel uncomfortable in the moment. That may be something like buying yourself time to think about uh, an interview question by taking a sip of water. Finally, you need to reframe your discomfort by seeing it as an adrenaline rush or an, a bigger opportunity rather than looking at it as a terrifying struggle. That will be summing up this podcast. Wow, I just realized, and what I can take away from redoing this and reframing it, the last one was 30 minutes. This one is 20 minutes. So I put the more important stuff in this one, and that was my takeaway with this. So I, I'm not mad at it at all. I learned more, and that's what it's about. I failed, but now I became better. And this is an exact example, which I love. And it was like, wasn't the example I was hoping for in the moment, but now I'm, I'm glad it happened. So with that being said, I just want to thank you guys for, again, sharing my podcast around. Keep on doing it. If you can post it on social media whenever I post updates, if you can follow my Instagram, that's going to be in the description as well. I will much appreciate that. Um, just thank you guys so much. We broke 5,000 views and it means the world to me. I, I just can't wait for the more episodes to come. It really means the world to me that you guys listen to me and give me the time of day and share with friends and family. With that being said, cue the outro. This has been the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Catch you guys next time.